This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. All right, real quick before we get started on the show, I'm just going to talk about Treeline Academy. You've heard me say it. I can't even tell you how many times. Um, Mark Livesey is treelineacademy.net. That's treelineacademy.net. Sign up. Use the promo code PC2020. Save yourself 20 bucks. Can't say it enough. It's awesome. Amazing. Most comprehensive e-scouting course out there. Check it out for yourself. Sign up. Use promo code PC2020. And now let's get to the show. All right. So I'm sitting here and I am talking to Kyle Camp. Um, and Kyle, I'm just going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself a little bit and we'll get rolling into it. Sure. Yeah. I appreciate you having me. Luke. Um, yeah. So like you said, I'm Kyle camp. I'm a, I'm a dietitian. I live in Idaho. It's what I do for work. And, um, where I live, I work at a hospital here in Idaho doing mostly outpatient counseling, everything from, you know, surgery before and after nutrition or nutrition before and after surgery. Uh, as well as helping people manage whatever diagnosis they've got with nutrition. So, for instance, if a diabetic is recently diagnosed, helping educate them on how to manage that disease if they want to go without medication or with minimal medication, how to manage that without it progressing. And then on the side, I have another um, business that I run. It's called Valley to Peak Nutrition. It's kind of my own personal um, consulting business, and it's basically aimed at folks who have any interest in the outdoor, either helping them prepare for or perform well during the activities that they like to do while they're outdoors. So ranging anything from guys running ultras in the mountains to helping people prepare for long backcountry hunts or um, long backpacking trips in the backcountry, 
et cetera. So it's a nice mix, man. It's a, it's a variety of clinical work during the day and uh, my true passion at night, which is more of the performance nutrition end of things. And of course that meshes well with my own interests of um, being outdoors and being in the mountains here in Idaho. Um, so yeah, that's kind of in a <laughs> nutshell who I am. So how'd you end up getting into, I mean, you're a Midwest boy like me and you go to Idaho. Was it like, I want to move to Idaho because I want to elk hunt or how, how did it happen? You know, that is the, um, that's the very sort of pie in the sky story, but that is not at all how it happened. As a matter <laughs> of fact, I had zero desire to come here at all. I, uh, I did, I grew up in the Midwest just next to you in Indiana. And, um, uh, when I was, I actually grew up very heavy, uh, very long story short, wound up losing 140 pounds through my own weight loss journey. I wanted to know more about nutrition. So I went to school in Indiana and got my undergrad degree in uh, nutrition and dietetics at a local university there. And to become a dietitian, you do the undergrad work and you get placed in a postgraduate program and you have to do an, um, kind of like a residency. It's called an internship, but a computer places you. So you apply to this system of programs across the U.S. and these programs also interview you and they rank students. So you you kind of have no, you have very, very little say in where you wind up. And, you know, it would be the equivalent of basically just having a really expensive piece of paper if you didn't accept an internship. So when I got accepted to Idaho, um, Meridian, Idaho, I thought, as a matter of fact, my parents it was supposed to be this joyous celebration. There's a day where you get matched, right? And my parents spent that day apologizing to me for being matched to Idaho and uh, just extreme disappointed. I wanted to go somewhere in the Midwest. I applied to I applied Ohio State. I applied at Vanderbilt and a few other places back there. Got accepted to Idaho, thought my life was over, came here and just fell in love with it. So um, when I got placed, I had you know, I'd never really been to the mountains. I'd never been backpacking. As a matter of fact, I'd never even hunted uh, and came out here, <clears throat> had some very, very gracious and patient friends who said, you know, why don't you come come on a backpacking trip with us? So I went once. This will maybe tailspin into um, how the company got started. But I went once, hated it, largely because of nutrition, even though I was a dietitian at that point. Um, and then, uh, wound up revamping my nutrition plan, some going again, fell in love with it. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if that answers the question because there's multiple facets to it <laughs> that are spinning through my brain on how I got into how the company started, how I got into hunting and, and, um, how I wound up out here, but long story short, an internship placed me. So let's, let's kind of get into how, how you got into the hunting then. I mean, I get it right. Or at least a summary of it because you, you started in the outdoors and you're in the mountains, right. And you're like, man, I love this. And I'm guessing, but we'll, we'll see if this is right. You kind of said, what's the next step where, how, you know, I'm already here. Where else can I take this? Is that kind of close or what, what happened? No, I, like, I wish it was that cool. Uh, but no, I mean, so I, you know, I, I ended up going on several more backpacking trips and just fell in love with that, fell in love with being in the mountains. And, you know, so the reason the first backpacking trip sucks so bad is because I was very apprehensive of 
fueling my body right because a lot of times that requires high calorie foods and having had lost 140 pounds you're very wary of of breaking outside and of of just healthy foods so i had packed generally low calorie healthy foods that i ate on a normal day here it was like a I think it was a five mile pack in with 2,500 feet elevation game. I mean, one of the toughest high mountain lakes in Idaho to get to. It was my first trip and I was eating stuff like a banana and a non-fat Greek yogurt at the trailhead. <laughs> I mean, just, just stuff that does, and there's nothing wrong with those things. It's just not fuel yeah. <laughs> for you to get that, to put that type of mileage in. So I, you know, I, I started, I had an interest in performance nutrition at that point. And so I started thinking about that in the context of backpacking revamped what I did the first time, went on several more trips, just fell in love with it um, through that. But I met my wife um, at, at, actually, she was a um, a Bible study teacher, not a Bible study, a kids, um, I mean, kids church uh, teacher at the church that I went to. So I met her there and <clears throat> And, I, you know, we were dating or whatever. I went back home to visit her. She's from Eastern Oregon, not Eastern Oregon, Northwest Oregon. And uh, when we went back, you know, got to know her parents very well. And they sort of lit everything that they did. They either hunted for, they sort of got themselves. They grew stuff in the garden. They were into canning. They were into freezing stuff. Every meal we ate was from an elk that her 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 dad had had killed, or a mule deer that her dad had killed, and it just fascinated me that you could go into the wild and get stuff for yourself, right? And then to come back and cook it, and just to see the type of care that went into the meal, rather than just popping chicken nuggets in the microwave. Like I I was just I was fascinated by the whole thing, right? And so. <clears throat> Uh, you know, then then I started, you know, asking him questions about it. I was like, so you're telling me that for a resident tag, thirty five dollars for an elk tag, I can go get three hundred pounds of lean protein for and march around in the mountain for a week. And I was I was just fascinated by it. So I, you know, I started taking slow steps and took my hunter's education and uh, got my hunter's license, put in for some Idaho tags. I drew the first year that I put in. Um, so I went, knew nothing, shot nothing, saw nothing and had a blast. <laughs> uh, so, you know, long story short was just this interest of just this fascination and love for nutrition combined with loving being in the mountains. It was just a natural merger. I mean, I just, I, I had to figure out how to be a part of it. And on the flip side now, several years later, I'm so glad I did. And on top of it, you get a, a protein dense, nutrient rich, I mean, protein that, that comes from the mountain, that's free range. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And for a resident tag, right. you know, it's way cheaper than what it is for me, but we're not going to go into those details. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, right. And, awesome. and on top of that, like it's, it's not like it, sucks on the taste end of the spectrum it's delicious like it's it'd be one thing if you could go do all those things and it's mediocre tasting meat you can make meals but that's not the case man these are great great tasting uh sources of protein so yeah i was just i was hooked i was i was totally hooked from before i'd even went on any trips or shot anything and filled my own freezer um 
I don't know. I was just, I was immediately drawn to it. <clears throat> That's awesome, man. I, so have you gotten into all the canning and all the other things now too, along with the, you know, oh, yeah, parents' yeah, footsteps? Course, we, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got to give, I have to give a little bit of an ode to my dad in that because he, you know, growing up, he had a, a huge garden and I just, I never really got into it whenever he was doing it, but somehow I inherited the green thumb and, so yeah, we've got a garden here. We'll do some canning and freezing and um, salsa making and all sorts of different things. We've got a couple of chickens with you, which you and I were chatting about prior to that. But you know, I, I'm not. We still buy eighty percent of our groceries. You know, right. it's not like I'm just like self-sustaining. I'm not opposed to buy, going to the grocery store at all. Um, but I'm just I'm fascinated by the ability to be able to grow my own food, take care of my own chickens and have eggs, be able to go out to the mountain, get my own meat, fish, pick morels in the spring. I mean, it's just <laughs> the whole deal is, uh, I, I don't know. I, I just have this, this fascination with it and, and, and love being able to do that. Like, and, and I know that you can, you can attest to this too. There's no better feeling than sitting down to dinner that you have made or grown or, had your own chickens everything on the table like there's just nothing that beats that feeling and um i don't know i love it <laughs> absolutely those are all of my favorite things <laughs> hunting fishing foraging <laughs> self-sustainment somewhat yeah i mean the same thing we go to the grocery store too but it's just it's it's a great feeling when you can pull out a jar of potatoes or something that you canned and and mash them and and use those for dinner and a chicken that you raised yourself or you know or make a cream sauce and use morels that you had that you dried i mean that's all just amazing things those are all of my favorite things so kyle i'm with yeah, you on that yeah. one let's get into nutrition <laughs> a little bit so you kind of alluded to it when you were talking about not really um giving yourself the calories you needed or the, the nutrient dense foods that you needed in order to sustain yourself. Um, cause like one of the things that I do is I dehydrate a lot of my own meals. And when I do that, I still make like the same paleo recipe. So I'm not getting probably a ton of those carbs that I'd normally get, but I give myself an extra helping. Is that kind of the right way to go about that? Or what should I be doing? You say you like you give yourself an extra helping of whatever it is that you dehydrated, which right. my guess would be is predominantly meat and veggie focused. Yes, yes, predominantly. Actually, almost entirely. There's hardly any grains or anything like that in it. Yeah, so you definitely, you definitely could give yourself an extra helping because obviously that's going to give you more calories. We get all of our calories from four places, carbohydrates, proteins, fats, and alcohol. So the body's energy system is, is very dynamic. People are always talking about, particularly now in a world where social media is popular, everybody can get an answer with a click of a button. They're always talking about their body being a fat burner or a carb burner or whatever, right? And the body is way more dynamic than that, shifting between the different fuel sources based on whatever type of activity you're doing. And likewise, it can create a fuel source you're not giving it. So for instance, if you have a good calorie intake, even if it's devoid of carbohydrate or lower in carbohydrate or devoid of grains or whatever, 
if there's excess protein content there, the body can create a, a, a metabolite of carbohydrates for you to burn from the excess protein if you need it. So it's a very dynamic thing. And, you know, we are not half as smart as the body is. So <laughs> if we deprive the body of what it needs, it will figure out a way to make it. <clears throat> so yes, if you, if you're trying to, if you're talking about trying to get adequate fuel, you're not eating a ton of grains, which of course are higher in carbohydrates and you're just giving yourself extra helpings of food, which would be predominantly protein focused. That is an approach. Yes. The body will figure out a way to give you energy. But what I'm focused on when I'm working with clients, particularly in Valley to Peak is how can you perform optimally, right? What's the way that you can perform at the best of your personal ability? <clears throat> and that would be on a on a higher carbohydrate diet with carbohydrates being the predominant fuel source of the type of activity most of the folks that I work with do in the mountains. So, so it's not yeah. it's not that it's not that eating a high fat or a high protein diet won't work. It will work, but you know, the question is the question someone should ask is, is there, is there a better way? I mean, anything's going to work because of that dynamic, that dynamic mode, the way the body functions, <clears throat> but I, I'm not really concerned about, or my goal, my focus is not to help a client just to get something that works. I want them to have something that works really well, right? Something I always say is I want, I don't want people to go, you know, like to experience what I experienced where they go backpack hunting for seven days and just survive. I want them to go and to be able to enjoy it and feel like they can go as hard on day six and seven as they did on day one and two. Stopping by the gas station, grabbing some peanuts and a Snickers bar will get you through day one and two. <laughs> but, you know, as you well know, if you've ever hunted in the West, particularly for elk, day one through five, maybe trying to find the elk, right? And then when you find them, it's a whole nother deal of trying to chase one, get within bow range if you're a bow hunter. <clears throat> and shoot one and if you don't have adequate fuel energy to go chase them on day six and seven because a lot of guys will stay at camp after hiking that many miles and that much elevation um you, 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 i mean i'm not i don't want to over dramatize this because i think that this could be over dramatized when i say what i'm going to say but it could be the difference between getting an elk and not not that you know optimum nutrition is going to make you a killer or not or tag filler or not but it could be the, the, the difference maker in you having good energy to keep going day six and seven versus I think I'm going to stay at camp or I'm going to take both evenings off or whatever. So not to knock any certain brands of food, but some people, yeah. they buy a bucket of, you know, X brand and it's got a ton of sodium in it and uh, some other things. And I've noticed even just certain things like that when you're lacking that nutrition you end up getting kind of worn down it starts making you mentally fatigued as well and yes i think that ultimately can affect you um so like one of the things i've noticed is i no matter what i'm always coming down and by the time i get to go to a hotel and take a shower and drive home or whatever it may be is i'm always coming back lighter you know i've got fat that hangs or whatever you know skin that's like lighter and you know, I'm always, you know, seven to 10 pounds down. I mean, is that like, that's pretty common, right? That's not, no matter what, are you going to be operating at a deficiency you think, or is there ways to accommodate that? 
Yeah, so that's that is common for a lot of people who don't have a, a a decent plan set up, right? So one of my main goals, because that's what a lot of guys like. So a lot of guys will, <clears throat> when they first reach out to me, that's what they'll say. I lose seven, ten, fifteen pounds every hunting season. I've got no gas in the tank by the end of the season. I don't want to do that anymore. Can you help? And it, particularly for guys who live out here you get multiple opportunities to go, you know, like a week long elk hunt generally will last all of September for a lot of guys. And so they're going every week in September, mule deer hunts, rifle season, it lasts most of October, you get draws in November. So they're doing what a lot of guys who travel to the West and do for a week. These are lasting all fall. All right. So they're losing quite a bit of weight. Every, every one of the things that, is contingent upon you not losing weight and having good energy is you have to be incredibly consistent with having good intake every day. A lot of people think that nutrition just drives what you're doing in the moment and it doesn't. It repairs what you've already done and it prepares you for what's to come the following day. So being consistent on hitting what your personal needs are is very, very important. Second to that, for guys who hunt a week and come back seven to 10, 15 pounds lighter, <clears throat> Part of that is, yeah, they're operating in an energy deficient, so they may lose some fat. What's more likely is that they're losing a ton of glycogen stores. So glycogen is the storage form of carbohydrate. It's the predominant fuel of the muscle, particularly when you're hiking a lot. So if you're draining that proverbial tank every day for seven days and you're not replacing it by having an adequate carbohydrate intake, then you're losing glycogen, and that shows up on the scale. There's a giant difference between weight loss and fat loss. So it's not that a guy is necessarily operating at such a deficiency that he's losing 15 pounds of fat. And that's a lot of why you're seeing loose skin is those glycogen stores are less. Your muscles are actually not as swollen from glycogen because glycogen stored in the muscle. So it makes muscles appear bigger <clears throat> and that's showing up on the scale. Second to that, for every gram of glycogen you store, you have, you tend to store between two and four grams of water. So a lot of that 10 to 15 pound loss is the glycogen gone and the water that's tied to it. So it's not generally fat, but <clears throat> it's, it's usually a combination of the two. To your original question, is it unavoidable? No, not if you're, not if you're operating at an energy, um, equilibrium to where you know that's one of the things i do is i plan what a guy's calorie needs are and what's more important is how should those calories be distributed between proteins carbs and fats because calories are what's going to drive and determine whether or not a guy loses weight and macros which are the cal the carbs proteins and fats those are going to be the determinants on how well someone performs right so if you're if you get inadequate calories but the macros are right you may lose a couple of pounds but you can still pursue the mountains really hard and that's a good that's a good you know point too that even when you're training and preparing to come to the mountains but you feel like you're 10 pounds heavier a lot of guys will say well i want to train hard but i want to lose weight the what the driver of that is, is you need to be in a calorie deficit but it needs to come from the right type of calories to make sure you still have enough energy to train at a high level. So is that kind of where the gummy bears tie in? <clears throat> I've been seeing them a lot. A lot of people posting them. I mean, 
So, so does that tie in even to like the macros? I mean, because I I know of people that balance their macros to the point where if they're short on something, they'll eat a piece of candy just to get those extra macros. Maybe that's not the right approach to it, but it's so to trying to keep everything balanced. Um, is that kind of yeah. in the ballpark there or what's that? Yeah. I mean, you know, so some people can certainly get in the weeds in terms of numbers with macros. Your body functions way more on a range than a specific one single number. Right. I mean, I think that's important to remember for people like you can automatically feel defeated if you feel like you've got to be perfect. That's not the case. You need to aim for progress, not perfection. Uh, it drives me up a wall when I see, you know, quote unquote, um, I won't call any certain exercise programs out, but coaches <laughs> saying that you need to, you know, go, go eat a Jolly Rancher to get the extra 10 grams of carbs. That's asinine. You don't need to be perfect, but the gummy bears comes from, yeah, partially, partially macros to get some carbohydrate in. Second to that, it's a rapid digesting fuel source, meaning you almost get immediate energy delivered to you as opposed to if you were to eat a big bowl of brown rice, that's a complex carbohydrate and the body has to go through a process to break that down. Second to that, the, the gummy bears, some of the formulation is a dual source carbohydrate, meaning there are three, all carbohydrates when they get broken down, uh, basically give us three simple sugars and they have to be given that way so we can absorb them. That's for a piece of zucchini and that's for a gummy bear. Right. So it, it doesn't really matter. It has to be absorbed in its most simple form. Gummy bears, the product formulation generally will include two out of those three. And what that means is that's a you you can why I like them, why I recommend them, why people are posting about them so much is because that means your cells are more likely to take in more carbohydrate and give you the best performance performance boost that you can get the most bang for your buck humanly possible um, by taking that in as opposed to eating something like brown rice or something more complex. So glucose, sucrose, something glucose, glucose and fructose. Fructose. Okay. Glucose and fructose are usually the two that that most of those gummy bear products will include in them. So what if you're opposed to eating the synthetic not synthetic, but you know, the false or bad sugars processed, and all the quote, processed, yeah, quote unquote sugars and the dyes and things of that nature. Should you go about making your own? Would sure. that be in the right direction or well, I would say I would first of all <laughs> push back a little bit and challenge like where's the opposition in that because I think that there is an extreme amount of misinformation that leads people to 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 be on that side of the line right second to that if they were just this person was just bent on not doing it <laughs> then yeah I mean I guess you could make your own if you wanted to do that but again we're, we're talking about nickels and dimes here, right? So the body at its highest output can metabolize between 60 and 90 grams of carbohydrate an hour, between one gram and one and a half gram per hour. Now, if you eat one, again, thinking back, every carb is going to get broken down into a simple sugar at some point for the most part. If you are taking in one of those three, if if there if if whatever product you're eating doesn't have both of those included in it, you're only taking in one of the three. 
you can still metabolize up to 60 grams. The benefit of the two is that you, you start to touch the 90 grams per hour and get you the max benefit, right? Second to that, the nice thing about gummy bears is that we know that protein, fat, and fiber all slow digestion in the gut, right? So what that means is a slower energy delivery to you. Gummy bears is straight carbs. There is no fiber. There is no fat. There is no protein. So that energy delivery is almost immediate, whereas that cliff bar, which has a combination of all of those, generally sits in the gut for a longer period of time. The good bacteria of the gut ferments on the, the carbohydrate that's in there. It usually produces gas because when, you're ha- when you have a high output in the mountains, the body is pulling blood from the stomach and giving it to the legs. So digestion's already poor. When you complicate that process by giving it things that are hard to digest, though it seems like they're healthy, that's, that's again, complicating the process. So that's part of the issue, too, when a lot of guys will come to me is they don't, you know, everything they eat sits with them terrible. But now all of a sudden you start giving them this diet that looks like trash and they feel excellent because they can eat it. They've got no indigestion. The fuel source is almost immediately there. And it makes a dramatic difference, not only on the digestion end of things, but also in the activity end of things. They feel like they're just able to go every day um, and, and, and do it well for consecutive days. So it would be safe to say that there's not actually any gelatin in a real, in a true gummy bear. Is that, or is it just all sugars or what? No, there's gelatin, <laughs> but you know, gel, and of course gelatin has protein, but it's minimal when you look at the spectrum of how much protein can a person handle in a day relative to how many are in some gummy bears. I've got a little peck here, actually. Let's see. <clears throat> Yeah, so there is there is gelatin way down the list, but <laughs> again, when you look at what is the what is the what, how much protein is a guy getting from gelatin, which by the way is incomplete amino acid profile, it's minimal compared to a person's need. Which this is another rabbit trail, but <laughs> one of the other problems I see in guys' plans whenever they're planning for the mountains is they've got way too much protein. Protein's responsibility in the body for performance and physiology is growth and repair. It is not an energy source. So you got guys that are trying to eat 150, 175 grams of protein a day in the mountains like they're sitting at home bodybuilding. And it's just way too much protein for one that you don't need and your body's having to convert to glucose on its own rather than you just supplying it. So you're in a calorie deficit eating protein that's getting converted to glucose anyway and <clears throat> having to do the extra work of doing that conversion when a little bit of an adjustment, bringing the protein down, bringing the carbohydrates up would be a far better recipe. So let's kind of just bounce this off you then kind of see. So if I'm eating proteins and vegetable carbs, but I'm giving myself at least an extra serving of those as well, and possibly adding some oil for the fat, olive oil or something like that. I mean, is that kind of on the right track or should I be eating probably something else that even has more carbs? Well, I think, I mean, one thing you have, one thing, a, a dietitian or a nutrition coach or whatever, whoever you work with to plan these things out, or if you're planning your own, you have to ask what you have to ask about preference, right? So, I mean, if this sits well with you, then is there a better way? Yeah. But if you don't (laughs) want to do it, 
it's not my job to convince you to do it, right? Right. So, yeah, adding an extra helping in would essentially give you calories, which would allow your body to convert those calories into what they need instead of, you know, you so your body would have to your body would have the extra calories and need to convert it into what its predominant or preferred fuel source is as opposed to you getting it. So what would I I would tell you to do because again, like you're and I'm I'm sort of drawing conclusions here, but you're eating a high amount of vegetables and protein with the assumption that veggies are healthy and grains are bad. But at the end of the day, after all the metabolism said and done, your zucchini becomes glucose, just yeah. like your brown rice would become glucose. So what's the difference, right? So in es- essentially, what I would say is bring down the extra serving, add in some carbohydrate, increase the total calorie intake from carbohydrates specifically, whatever you want. I mean, if there's a if there's a safe, which by the way, you know, in my mind and and according to 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 human metabolism and science. There is no good and bad food. There's only good and bad amounts. But if you feel like there's a safe grain because of your personal beliefs in food yeah. or what sits well with you or whatever, <clears throat> then then choose that one. But get some type of carbs in and see if you don't begin to feel better by way of having more energy. That's a good thought. So I've actually started making my own gummy bears recently. Somebody... Um, Somebody messaged me and said, just wait till you start doing your own gummy bears. And I was like, okay, you know, so it's like, it's super simple though, right? A cup of pasteurized fruit juice of your choice, whatever, because some obviously have acids that will break down the gelatin unless it's pasteurized. Um, And then just four tablespoons of gelatin and one at a time, mix it in. And I've been doing that and I've been playing around with like adding, because they're just not sweet, right? The fruit juice itself is just not sweet enough compared to this. So I've been trying to add like, a little bit of honey or a little bit of actual pure maple syrup to see what it does. And they still just don't taste the same. I'm going to admit it, but I just kind of was like, eh, I'd like to stay away from the dyes and all that other stuff in it. But so have you ever had anybody that was pretty adamant about not eating the gummy bears to where they were like, Oh, I'm going to make my own or anything like that. Never. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they love, they love the prescription that a dietitian say, Hey, you need to eat some more gummy bears while you're hunting. Dietitians are extremely guilty of, of weighing in, giving their opinion on people without being invited to do so. So I don't think that that's my job. I feel like my job is to help people with where they are. And if they want information about the science behind nutrition, then I'm more than happy to dive into that, but I'm not going to do it without being invited to. So, have you ever had somebody that just has no self-control and they're a fat little mis- Midwestern kid at heart and um, <laughs> they eat all their gummy bears on day one? <laughs> so, I mean, that's something that we talk about, right? So we build the plan and then we also talk about strategically, how do you do that once you get to camp and, um, you know, partition it out day by day? I haven't personally because we <laughs> build a day aside where we talk about, look, man, this has to last you for 10 days. I mean, I, I thinking of a guy, a, a, two guys, a guy and a son who had reached out to me. They were going on a 10 day sheep hunt up in Alaska. Um, and the logistics of planning something like that can be quite challenging. And, uh, they, I mean, they did great. They did excellent and, and mapped it all out, but I can just, I'm picturing them like day two, having no food left out in the bush, not a plane coming for eight <laughs> days. And, and, uh, just basically two, 
very satisfied men because of day two they ate all their food but you know the rest of the time they're going to be in trouble i don't think i would eat all my food but i'm just going to come clean and say if i had something like gummy bears or peanut butter cups or snickers <clears throat> i'd probably at some point probably day three be digging into the other day's food and pulling it out and going man i just really want it right now <laughs> i mean i've got the, guy, the guys that i hunt with they are I think they just have a tremendous amount of self-control because they will pull from, you know, they'll bring one big bag, like a huge share bag, and they'll just pull from it each day. I cannot do that, man. I have to put it in bit. I have to put it in individual baggies that go in different days. Otherwise, I would eat. I'd be like you, man. Day four, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't have any. I don't have anything left. <laughs> no, I have to do it that way. I have to put each each day in its own Ziploc bag, try and figure out the caloric content and all that kind of stuff. But at this, like, if I had gummy bears, I or something like that, I don't know. Maybe I'd have to practice it. But I would probably be digging in and being like, oh man, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> oh, you get a couple of you get a couple of days where you just get nasty nasty storms and wind and you wind up in the tent for most of the day it's over i guarantee you that i'm digging into a days far in advance <laughs> just trying to kill time but yeah so um that's kind of all the questions i had for you is there anything you'd like to add as far as like um advice or anything like that to people or just stuff that lessons you've learned along the way that you've learned from other people that they've kind of gone through something or done anything like that um obviously nobody's dug into their bag like i would but then again i have less self-control than other people so <laughs> yeah i think i mean i think that i would if anything sort of parting shots probably just encourage guys to First of all, not be afraid to fuel well uh, and not be afraid of the cultural fear a lot of people have put in food. Um, anything, right? Like it, labeling it good or bad or that X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z ingredients going to send you to the grave. When you have a, you know, a job like mine, part of your job is to read the studies that people on Facebook are giving the tagline on and there are very few studies that would suggest that the t uh, anything, I mean, anything, if I were to start naming stuff um, off to you, it would be stuff that you recognize and think, you know, the consumption of even the smallest amount would send you to the grave. And that's just not true. There's way too much fear around food. So I would tell guys to remove that fear. Second to that, I would say, don't let, um, you know, don't let the idea of optimum override the idea of practical, right? So don't let the idea that if, if, if you start to delve into the food thing, because hunting, the you know, particularly for guys in the Midwest, sometimes hunting in the West can seem really intimidating just from a physical aspect and terrain aspect and um, nutrition's an entirely different deal. Don't let that make you concerned that you're not that you're going to do it wrong give it a shot plan something out feel yourself well um bring stuff that you're going to be able and want to eat on day four and five i mean yeah it seems like six days of cliff bars for breakfast lunch and dinner would be great you're going to hate them right so you've got to bring stuff that sounds good because good nutrition is only going to be as good as what you can choke down so um yeah, if you need anything, I'm more than happy to help answer questions. So let's let's go to this then. Um, 
<laughs> you're you probably when you were in the Midwest because you didn't start hunting until you got out west. But to all those Midwesterners out there sitting in the tree stand all day, <laughs> seven days, ten days in a row, whatever it may be, coming up here in a couple of weeks, right when the rut hits in November, what what's yeah. your recommendations for them in order to kind of stay on path? Because a lot of guys will stop at the gas station, get a piece of Casey's pizza grab whatever else, throw it, a cinnamon roll, all those things, throw it in their pack and sit up in a tree for 10 hours a day. And that's all they got. Um. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, number one, man, I am familiar with Casey's pizza. I remember it well. Second to that, the first thing that comes to mind whenever you, um, when you mention that is, um, oh geez, what's his name? The, uh, is it Mark Kenyon? Is he the big white tail guy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Mark Kenyon, he did a podcast once talking about his diet on the tree stand, which was like Doritos and a bunch of other things. It just makes me think of that. But my suggestion would be to develop a better plan, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> being in the West, burning the calories that you're burning, being as active as you are, even the Midwest, right? There's guys that hunt the backcountry in the Midwest, too. It's not just Western. The idea is that you're active all day long and you're metabolizing those high-carb foods, you do not need that sitting in a stand, right? <laughs> it's not like I'm just an advocate for the sugar industry because they're in my pocket, which by the way, they're not, but <laughs> it's not like I'm just advocating you eat trash. There's a reason you are metabolizing that sugar instantaneously. It's gotten, it's, it's rocket fuel when you're active. It is not rocket fuel when you're sitting in a tree stand all day. <laughs> so developing a plan. Yeah. The predominant driver of, High output activity is carbohydrate, but when you're not having high output activity, you don't need a ton of carbs sitting in a tree stand. Something that is higher in fat, higher in protein, that's going to be satiating and last you longer might be a better option for when you're sitting in a stand all day, right? So thinking about the type of activity that you're doing and planning your nutrition around that, every macronutrient has a job. And your nutrition plan should be tailored to accomplish that job and no more, right? So if you're into lifting, then you need a higher protein intake because you're the, the job for protein is growth and repair. If you're an endurance athlete or you're hiking a lot, then you need a higher carbohydrate intake because the predominant job of uh, carbohydrates is to fuel the activity that you're doing. If you the, the predominant role for fat is hormone transport and vitamin mineral transport so if you're sitting sitting in a tree stand all day fat's very satiating so it's protein you don't need a ton of carbs so you might look to stuff like beef jerky nuts cheeses those type of things that are uh, a little bit higher fat higher protein lower in carbohydrate that's kind of where where i'm at was with the nuts and the and the jerky or sometimes i make myself a little sandwich roll wrap or something like that Got to keep it yeah. quiet too, though, you know. <laughs> right? Yeah. You can't be and, taking and through the note, bag. <laughs> on that note, too, combining combining what I just said with the culture and fear, it's not like you, if you have a a sandwich with bread on the tree stand, you're going to get fat. That's not the case at all. We're talking about excess consumption of carbohydrate over and above what your needs are. The body needs some some carbohydrate just to produce glucose for the brain and sit there and function and not get headaches. So again, we're not talking about you need to be on a ketogenic diet, which is low in carbohydrate, high in fat, high in protein, just because you're a tree stand hunter. You don't need to you don't need to fear having a sandwich or 
anything like that. It just becomes a question of how much carbs do I need if my output's not that high? And it's not Casey's pizza, a bag of Skittles, <laughs> a bag of Doritos, Hostess donuts, etc. <laughs> right? So, you know, just some stuff to keep in mind. You just ticked a lot of people off right there. <laughs> I know it. I know it. Trust me. I've, I've eaten it. I love them too. I might be a dietitian, but nothing gets me going like everything I just named. I love those foods. I have the breakfast learned, pizza. <laughs> yeah, the, the breakfast pizza, the hostess yeah. donuts, egg salad sandwich that's been sitting in the case at Casey's for two or three weeks, but still, you know, right when it starts to hit that point where the where the bread soaks in the mayo, like it just becomes perfect. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that it's good for you. <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome, man. I thank you for your time coming on and sharing your knowledge with us. And can you tell people if they want to get in touch with you or learn more from you or maybe figure out a plan or something, where can they get a hold of you? Sure. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you having me and anyone who's stayed on with us this long. Thank you too. But um, <laughs> I am, uh, I, you can get on the um, oh geez, Instagram. It's so Valley to Peak Nutrition is the name of, of the company and it's V2P with the number two. So V2P uh, is what it is on Instagram. There's a Facebook page too. And website is V2PNutrition.com. And there's a, um, there's a place on there. You can send me an email if you got a question or what have you. I'd be more than happy to help. That's awesome. I appreciate you so much coming on, sharing your knowledge. And uh, I'm sure every once in a while I might hit you up with just a little question or something. <laughs> I'd be happy you're, gonna, to help, you're probably going to make me sign up for a plan, but <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy to help. I enjoy it. I, I love, I love people. I'm super passionate about the topic of nutrition and genuinely love my job. So I'm always happy to help. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Publicly Challenged podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to. Also, if you could leave a review, that would help us out. And you could check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenged.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. anglers search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv